Hi, my name is Rosalind O, oh, and you are listening to True Heroes, the podcast that celebrates the ordinary people with extraordinary missions to make the world a better place one day at a time. This week, I sit down with Jamie Lee Cole, who is dedicated to spreading the truth about the people experiencing homelessness and helping the rest of the world grow their understanding and empathy for these people who are living in such vulnerable conditions. But first, some housekeeping. If this is your first time listening to True Heroes, I think you should stay and listen to the whole episode for sure. But don't take my word for it. Take the words of our existing listeners who have kindly left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Choose Love 123456 says, Really interesting podcast, providing a platform for people quietly changing the world. Highly recommend. Thank you, Choose Love. And of course, one of these people quietly changing the world is Jamie. She currently serves as the communications manager for the Wallach. A charity that works to combat homelessness in Wales. In this conversation, we cover unconventional ways to start a career in the so called third sector when you don't have the luxury of tapping into the bank of your parents to fund your way through university or through unpaid internships. We also cover what are the real barriers for people experiencing homelessness to become independent and find their feet again. And most importantly, how we should interact with the people that we see on our own streets every day in our own cities. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Jamie. Hi, Jamie or Jamie Lee. Thanks for coming to my podcast. Hi, Rosalind. Nice to meet you. And uh, what a glorious day it is today. Yeah, it is. We are sitting in beautiful Butte Park in Cardiff because we are doing a on-site recording for the first time. I'm finally out, out of my kitchen table. <laughs> Very exciting. I know, my high-tech uh, recording studio. Um, yeah, we are actually here because uh, there's a pretty cool event going on. Do you want to kind of set the context for what's happening around us? Yes, so uh, we are live at the uh, Homeless <laughs> World Cup in Cardiff. So um, the Homeless World Cup happens every year. It ha- hosts teams from around the world and the, the Football teams, I should have said that mm. sport is football, mm. could be any cup. Um, the teams are made up of people who have experienced homelessness. So they could be at different stages of uh, their recovery and progression at the moment. They might not be rough sleeping, they might be in accommodation, but uh, they have experienced homelessness. So uh, there are three pitches going on at the moment with lots of football and food and lots of buzzing activity going on at the moment. Right, so that'll be all part of the pleasurable noises that you'll be hearing through your earbuds any moment and of course Jamie if you could first introduce yourself I'm sure there we've, we gave a bit of a hint about describing the event but yeah um, could you d- introduce yourself yeah so my name is Jamie Lee Cole uh, I am the communications manager for a homelessness and rough sleeping charity called The Wallach um, we are in Cardiff at the moment but we're a charity that's based across Wales so uh we don't span out into the rest of the UK at the moment, so we we're looking particularly at just the Welsh perspective um, of homelessness. Um, but yeah, we've been running for about 40 years. Uh, we started with one hostel in 1978, so we had our 40th birthday last year, um, which was lovely. 
We did some nice events for that. Uh, but now we have around 70 projects across Wales. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is great. And they, they vary. So there's outreach and responding to the frontline need. So going out and doing a breakfast run every morning in Wales' city. So Cardiff, Bridgend, Newport, Swansea and Wrexham. Um, and then we provide solution centres as well where people can come and make appointments like doctors or housing, welfare, that kind of thing. Or even just ha- come and have a shower and a hot mm. hot drink, you know, those sorts of things. Um, we also have some hostels dotted around and then we also have some learning and employability projects as well. So we want to create projects that engage with people who are either homeless or at risk of homelessness and helping people break those cycles of homelessness as well, making sure that they've got sustainable way of living independently after we've put a roof over their head that's okay first of all there's so much to unpack in that so we'll go step by step but i have a burning question which is okay um in terms of introducing yourself so are you welsh (laughs) yes i am actually um i'm not a welsh speaker unfortunately i'm learning bits and bobs i have a half a gcse in welsh education which is very useful um but uh, yeah, so I'm originally from a little town called, well, a village actually called Gilwyn, which is about an hour away from here, uh, just out of, outside of a town called Abergavenny, which you might have heard of. It's very mm. lovely. It's very cheese and chutney. Mm. Um, they've got a food festival there that's very good. Um, yeah, so lived in Wales all my life. Came to university in Cardiff and never really left because I love it as a city. It's very much a city with a town feel. Mm, yeah, that's really true. Yeah, mm. I was really surprised the first time I walked into Cardiff, and me being a bit of an urban planning and urban development geek, I was like, "Ooh, streetlights, roads, <laughs> oh, people, how are they interacting with the built environment?" But that's me being geeky, and and um, I noticed that uh, Cardiff, the not only does the city look not that city-ish. Yeah, it's um, quite small. It is. But yeah, but even even for the cities of the same size, it looks not that city-ish. But residents act like they are villagers or townspeople. Yeah, in some I cases. Like I mean, people in rural Wales will probably sell you otherwise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Cardiff, Cardiff gets everything and everyone's so rude. But, you know, they may not have been to London. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, Cardiff is great. It's, you know, people hold doors open for you and say thank you. Mm. I don't know whether it's a Welsh thing, but everybody says thank you to the bus driver. I mm. don't know whether it's a, a Welsh thing or a British thing, but um, to say cheers drive at the end of a journey is uh, is a common thing. Yeah. They, they do it in Vancouver, but they don't do it in Toronto. Oh, That's how you know the culture I is see. different. Um, it sounds like I'd rather be going to uh, Vancouver than Toronto in that case. <laughs> don't tell the don't tell the East Coast people. But anyway, um, coming back to obviously all of this huge topic and so many, like I said, so many things to unpack and kind of the work that your organization does, yeah. the work that you do. And if I could challenge you to summarize that all that mission into a sentence or two. Yeah, so I would say we have three core objectives and that's to get people off the streets, keep people off the streets, and create opportunities for people mm. experiencing homelessness. Obviously. Right, yeah. Yes. For all people, but, spe- but especially for... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, we say that, you know, you're only two paychecks away from, from mm. homelessness in some cases, you know, losing your job or, you know, financial insecurity. If you look at things like the gig economy and, you yeah. know, your, your deliveries, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, where your wage is insecure or you know not uh not a given um homelessness could be a real thing for you or even housing you know landlords and um 
insecure housing is a, is a big issue at the moment. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, and Brits and Canadians are lucky enough to have healthcare coverage. But if even if you do have a solid job, it, economically oh, you're technically doing fine. But then an illness hits or an injury hits, and then yeah, things happen. Um, and so in a way, it kind of applies to all of us. Or yeah. <sighs> Ooh, all of that. Yes. So that's where you are right now. Mm-hmm. You're with the Wallach. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you get here? I, I got a little bit of a sneak peek. I'm just in our conversations prior to the, yeah. we before um, we hit record. But if you could kind of give us a brief narrative about how you got to the Wallach and yeah. why the Wallach. Absolutely. So um, in terms of my professional career, I mean, I left university in 2013. So it's not that long ago, but the, the job situation was pretty dire. We had the financial crash in 2008 and, you know, my parents didn't really want me to go to university, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They were very much, you know, why don't you pick up a trade or something or, you know, make, stay home, work in shops and all yeah. that kind of... I think it was more the fear of the unknown, to be honest, for them because no, not many people in my family had actually been to university. Um, but the school I went to was was quite good. My, my grades were all right and it was kind of assumed that I would just go. So I came to Cardiff University, loved every second of it. I was a bit of a wild child, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> but I definitely learned independence. Yeah. And I'm so glad I went. You know, I've been fairly self-sustainable since I, I moved out, you know, and uh, I've been I've been very lucky to have uh, grants from the Welsh Government in particular right. and that kind of thing. So, you know, lo- lots of these grants are means-tested and all that kind of stuff. So... I got pretty much everything I could, bursaries and all that kind of stuff, so I could go. Um, Yeah, so I graduated in 2013. I moved home for maybe about a month and was just like, nope, I live in the city now and Mm. that's where I want to be. So uh, I was still in my student overdraft. I moved in with a few friends, managed to get a deposit for for rent and things like that. Um, Had no job Mm. lined up, so I was like, oh gosh, I need to get anything, absolutely yeah. anything. So I got a really terrible sales job for a bit. I did that for a couple of weeks. Um, it was awful culturally. <laughs> um, it was not my scene at all. Um, it was very uh, power and money hungry. It was right. all commission-based. So it, it was not where I was about. I learned that it was an industry I did not want to work in. Um, but then after that, I managed to get a job in a really quaint little uh, specialist alcohol shop. So selling... Uh, wine and gins and whiskies. I became a bit of a, a nerd for specialist alcohol. I used to go to trade fairs and stuff like that. Ooh. I'd usually be a, a very small, blonde-headed lady amongst some very older, yeah. larger, white gentlemen, <laughs> um, which is, you know... I can imagine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like disrupting spaces, actually, with my uh, my little, my small, spunky self, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got a job in that, and then it was quite high ticket items so I wouldn't see many people in a day so I read a lot of classic novels which was lovely but once I'd exhausted that I kind of inadvertently started doing uh the marketing for the shop because you know we wanted to drive drive more business in so I started uh building up social media following uh using mostly twitter engaging with local businesses and partnerships um so things like making sure we made a connection with the local cheese delicatessen and all that kind of stuff and making referrals to sending people their way if they were buying stuff with us and we did a couple of wine tasting evenings and that sort of thing um, and building media partnerships. So local publications in Cardiff, seeing if we could write, you know, Father's Day specials, you know, articles and things like that. 
talking about whiskey and how it's great for your dad. I mean, hate to be gender stereotypical, but... Uh, but it works. It works, and but they it wanted it. And, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I did that for about a year, and then I managed to get my foot in the door with um, a communications agency. Uh, one of my best friends, his sister's sister used to work there and um, referred me for a job, which was great. So I... Uh, I was in-house there, so I started marketing the marketing agency, which is quite meta. Um, so I did that for about three years, and I learned so much. It was very, very fast-paced. Um, it was quite a left-leaning agency, so we did a lot with like trade unions, personal injury solicitors, public sector, all that kind of stuff. Um, got to do a little bit of client work, which was lovely. Um, I'm a big fan of events and being on events teams, and but I learned how to do PR for the first time like, properly, learning how to write press releases, improving my writing. I uh, I was told very early on that my writing was very flowery, so I needed Ooh. to take that back a bit, which is good because, like, you know, it, plain English is really important and learning how to communicate properly, really, and yeah. uh, how to engage with journalists and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I did that for three years, and I'm really grateful for the foot in the door I got there. But to be honest, the goal was always to work in the third sector. Right. Throughout all of that period, I was volunteering. I'm really passionate about volunteering, and actually I think most people within the organization I work for now is passionate about volunteering because mm. most people have given up their free time at some point to do something for somebody else you know it's just kind of in most of our natures um so yeah I did quite a lot of work with um a different homelessness center in Cardiff um just mostly chatting to people to be honest um spent some time there did some work with refugees as well because you know 2014 2015 Cardiff in particular, uh, there were a lot of Syrian uh, asylum seekers who were relocated here um, to a refugee house, which is like the other side of the city that we're on now. Um, and they were just bored out of their minds, so they couldn't work. So I spent a lot of time uh, doing like a, a sort of pseudo citizenship program, an introduction to the UK sort of thing, because, you know, they... The, the goal for them was to want to stay here, so why shouldn't we give them a flavour of culture and try to interact with the community a little bit because they're going to have to integrate here at some point and, you know, that's what a lot of them are doing now, sort of four or five years on, which is great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just talk a lot. I think that's that's mostly my, my experience <laughs> is being in spaces where you can talk a lot, which is uh, totally my bag. But, uh, yeah, it's not been a conventional journey. I think if I wanted to break into communications and marketing back in 2013 and if I wanted an easier journey, I probably would have had to do an unpaid internship somewhere. Yeah. That was really big at the time. Um, and that was just not in my wheelhouse. There was no way. My parents would not have been able to finance, you know, my living expenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was just not an option. So I just had to put in a hard graft and see what I could get. And I got my fulfillment from, from volunteering, really. So, yeah, that's my experience up to this point. And so that leads us to the present day. And so you've been with The Wallach for three years. No, no, so I've been with The Wallach for just over two. Okay, so I got that wrong. Okay. So it was three years at the last place. And then, yeah, oh, just, over, okay. just over two years. Uh, here but to be honest it feels it feels longer to be mm. honest I've learned so much and I genuinely love it like there's very few days where I don't want to get up and go to work which is not many people have that and that was yeah. job satisfaction was really really important for me I appreciated that I wasn't going to get there immediately mm -hmm. and work in an industry that um I was passionate about but I 
I really wanted to get there because it's just very important to me. And so it's clear that you're super passionate about social justice, vulnerable peoples. Um, but this also isn't the only vulnerable populations you could work with. You, for example, talked about refugees before. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you've done a little bit of work with youth as well. Yes. And so why Wallach? So uh, the Wallach has been going for quite a long time and um, they have a great reputation for mm. working with vulnerable people and doing innovative innovative things. So using the power of sport and art to rehabilitate people and um, creating volunteer um, opportunities for people to build up their confidence, build up their skills and, you know, give them extraordinary opportunities in some cases. There's partnership that we've got with a, a local theatre company where the, the Wales Millennium Centre, which is one of the greatest theatres in Wales, um, they get to perform there. They help to write, perform, do the marketing of, do the staging, do the lighting, learn all these skills and put on a performance at Christmas time. And we've, you know, the guys have done that um, twice now and they're going to be doing it again. Sport, things like the Home Sport Cup, you know, right. the Wallace has always been very involved in a lot of these things. And I think culturally and uh, the way that they we stand on the issues um we're not scared to speak truth to power i think and mm. call out policy when it's bad or you know call out failings in the system it's not passing the buck it's just telling the truth yeah um which i think is is really awesome and you know there were also you know there was great work already in, put in place by my predecessors and the head of communications um amy Lee pierce she's my current boss she's <laughs> done she's worked for the organization for well i probably shouldn't say how long she probably shat at me <laughs> but for quite a while um and uh you know she's worked really really hard to build up the social media following website uh, all those kinds of things but there was also room to to grow and use my experience from the uh, the private sector and bring in some of those skills that, you know, in-house teams, unless you go on training, which, let's be honest, charity bu budgets are tight, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's never going to be a priority. So there was a good base. I say base. I mean, it was, it was already great, but there was also room to grow. And we've recently uh, bolstered our team with uh, a new communications officer who is fantastic, who... Honestly, if I had two of her, I don't know what I'd do because she's so good. She keeps me on my toes for sure. Um, big shout out to Abby. She's great. Amazing. Um, yeah, but, you know, the watch is just, it's just awesome. And our CEO, um, Lindsay, she, there's a lot of powerful women in our organization setting really brilliant examples leading the way. Um, you know, that was quite important to me. To be honest, I've, I've most of the organizations I've worked for has had, um, at least one kick-ass woman mm. uh, on the senior leadership team. and great. Which is great. Yeah. Because, you know, in terms of mentorship, but also, you know, physically having a woman in the room brings up, you know, issues that might not have otherwise have been brought up. So, you know. I mean, diversity works and diversity pays despite what some people might think. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm... I, just find um, mixed and diverse groups and of all different genders, all different backgrounds, you know, ethnicities, whatever. Just come up with more creative solutions. Absolutely. And it's so much... And you're already in an empathy mode mm -hmm. when you're talking to each other, just yeah. even around your little um, boardroom table, maybe. Um, and so if you're in a profession or an organization with an explicit mission of empathy, 
then I mean you kind of have to have a super empathetic team and if you have a more diverse team it's just more naturally facilitated to yeah, be empathetic definitely one thing I haven't mentioned actually and one of the things that really really impressed me when I was um, looking at you know changing roles to taking that step into the third sector um, was that the Wallach uh, made a commitment to employ 25% of the organisation as having lived experience of homelessness wow yeah. so we are currently at uh, just under 20%, it's 19 point something. Mm-hmm. Um, because who better to mentor people than those who've been through it? And think about things that if you haven't experienced homelessness, you know, they just wouldn't think of. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And it, it goes from, you know, the bottom up, the top down, all, right. all levels of the organization. Um, our CEO, Lindsay, she has experience of homelessness in her, in her youth and mm-hmm. is done incredible things um but yeah we've got you know people in our i work in the central services office so um we have communications fundraising things like hr and finance you know all that kind of stuff and data research all those kinds of things business development and tender writing all the all the office stuff you know tender writing i don't even i know (laughs) business development it's not a job that um is for me i like to chip in occasionally but uh yeah no it's definitely not for me we have a very very talented bit writing team uh very creative actually which is very good um yeah so you know we try and give clients opportunities because you know we're out there talking to employers saying please hire people who have experienced homelessness they have a gap in their cv but they're still you know hard workers and you know they might have a criminal record but they've got relevant experience you know we have to lead by example because if we're not doing that then why should anybody listen to us so uh yeah and to be honest a lot of people who go through our services one of the common things they say is they really want to give back Mm. to the organization that helps them so whether that's through volunteering or whether it's you know applying for a job it's uh something that we see a lot right um, and especially for listeners out there who are less aware of kind of the realities and um, the struggles that uh, rough sleepers or homeless people go through, um, I'm sure that a lot of the stuff that you have is also Welsh and local specific because mm. you work so intimately with the local community. Yeah. But I'm also sure that a lot of it is universal as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, homelessness uh, has been increasing really most years in the last, well, forever <laughs> you know um but that's something that's happening across the world yeah, you know they're seeing it sure. in the states i mean you mentioned in canada it's it's a thing um in europe especially i mean it's a poverty issue as yeah. opposed to a housing issue in most cases i mean in wales specifically there's not enough social housing mm-hmm. we haven't invested in in enough housing something that the uh, first minister's government is looking at at the moment they have made a pledge to build more social housing but that's just to get to the level it's not necessarily preparing for the future at, at the moment. Which right. Is, you know, because yeah. it just isn't, everybody's stretched, you know. Right. There's only so many services and things out there that we can pay for. But, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. No, but but that's that's so true with a lot of different social issues, especially vulnerable people. Refugees are a good example. Um, it's A lot of it is firefighting. Yeah. And not actual proactive planning. Responding, yeah. Yeah, and there's no prevention. There's no talk about prevention anywhere. It's just about how do we deal with the current issue at hand and not make it a complete disaster. Yeah. And I mean, I really want to get out of that firefighting mindset so that we can start 
talking about the future and yeah. being ready and you know just that's having why, capacity yeah that's why we work we have you know around 70 projects and some of them are like I said they're not all frontline so some of them are prevention based or nice. working with people that are at risk we have some services in Neath, Talbot and Swansea called the Prevention and Wellbeing Service it's called PAUSE for short <laughs> they love an acronym it's uh, you know that's a charity thing oh gosh <laughs> it's a charity thing it's a government thing it's public sector <laughs> Oh, drives me drives me bananas as a communicator. Um, why would you abbreviate something just to make it catch? A lot of the time, it's very shoehorned. But anyway, that's a bugbear of my own. Um, yeah, so we have a prevention wellbeing service down there. So that could be helping with anything from you know your physical or mental health. It could be um, mediation between uh, family members who where a relationship has broken down, um, budgeting advice, financing, mm. all these things that we aren't taught at schools right. that you know we, as charities in the third sector we have, have to plug the gap with so yeah the fire the firefighting it's not sustainable and we know that because homelessness has been increasing yeah Oof. and if you had to kind of like narrow down like the top three needs that a rough sleeper and homeless person which uh, admittedly they, they might also have different needs yeah um, but what are some of the uh, three biggest needs that that person has and what are some of the biggest barriers for them to get that? Yeah, I mean, in terms of barriers, we've got a system at the moment that um, was put in place to prioritise people into housing. So it's called the Priority Needs System. and We're calling for it to be abolished at the moment. So it's things like... It, it, it sounds good, but yeah. in reality, it's causing a lot of people to wait longer waiting times and people are slipping through the net. So if you're sort of, you know, under 18 or a woman or if you're pregnant, you're the priority. Right. Which is great. Okay. Yeah. But the majority of our client base are single men. Yeah. Yeah. There's single women as well or couples. There's like hardly any couples accommodation. And, mm. you know, if you want, say you've had a breakdown of trust um everywhere in your life yeah. but you found somebody that you love and you live a street street-based lifestyle together you're, you're surviving together um why on earth would you not want to then go into housing with that person i mean it's a well it's a miracle it's something that we should encourage and yeah, support and absolutely. try to <laughs> enable yeah oh god so yeah we're we're calling for an abolishment of of that system because it's, it's just not working um everybody is a priority Everybody right. should be, yeah. you know, it should be when people present, that's when you help them. Yep. You know, and try and get them to, into housing. But then also, there isn't enough housing. So, social housing, there's been an underinvestment. We know this. Um, we've had, you know, periods of austerity and a lack of investment all around. Um, and we are relying a lot more on the private rented sector, private right. landlords. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously a lot more tricky because as a landlord, you want to, it's, it's, it's an investment, it's a lucrative um, financial gain for you. So right. you want to run a sustainable business where people pay you rent and don't smash up your, mm -hmm. your, your properties and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you can't get references, if you can't get a deposit, all these things are barriers to our client base. This, by the way, sorry, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, is the Welsh National Anthem. We oh, were I talking see. earlier about um, how you'd never heard it. It's no. a beautiful thing and it makes me, uh, wow. it makes me tingle all the time. It's solely in Welsh. It's probably uh, something that I still haven't nailed all the words to. But um, mm. 
Yeah, it's lovely. It's oh, okay. I can't sing the Canadian thing. anthem in French either. Can so you not? There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. But it's beautiful. Perfect background music for what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, I've got a surge of national pride, but in a, you know, in a nice way, not yeah. in a, you know, white supremacist way. <laughs> um, Hopefully not. No, no, definitely not. Um, no, the Welsh, I, I have, admittedly, I've cried many times this week over the Home Talk Cup, just seeing beautiful things. And uh, especially, you know, the Welsh team who, you know, they get to wear their their nation's shirt and represent their country and oh yeah oh, it's just happy lovely. tears yeah happy tears all the way oh, so oh my god the reason I've been wearing sunglasses all week is not because it's sunny it's just because I'm permanently crying <laughs> just hiding it and now we're just hearing like cheering just about this topic it's like perfect timing yeah. that people are just cheering about yeah definitely <laughs> um yes yeah, so we were talking about barriers weren't we yes. um yeah and uh the need really so yeah there's those two things and then what would we say the third thing is I mean, oh, uh, local connection. Mm. So um, it's not part of the priority needs system, but um, you have to have a local connection to the local authority that you're in right. to receive help in, in most see. cases. So um, for if you're, so Cardiff, for example, attracts a lot of people from towns and rural places right. because yeah. if you come from a small town, Everybody knows everywhere, and your family might live there. You might have had really traumatic experiences there. You might have a reputation there. Maybe you not behave particularly well because you've been in a bad situation. Right. Um, so you migrate to another place. And, yep. You know, a lot of our client base are very nomadic. Yeah. Um, because you know that's just the nature of you know their lifestyle. Yep. Um, but having a local connection, mm-hmm. um, you know, or not having one, uh it's going to send you back down the list and, you know, you're probably going to have to rely on the private rented sector for that, you know. A lot of people can access our services, but in terms of getting into temporary accommodation, it's really difficult for you. So, and especially, you know, that's just within, you know, Wales and the Welsh local authorities. You could come from England or Scotland. You could come from Europe. You know, we there was a surge of um, Polish guys who mm. were making up a big percentage of our client base for a while, um... Because of, you know, after the recession, they come right. here to get work and there wasn't any. Right. So uh, that was that was pretty horrendous. So, yeah, local connection, ending that would be would be great. Um, we'd also like to put prison leavers back into the prior, priority need um, hierarchy if priority right. need is going to stay around because that's changed. It used to be that prison leavers were, you know, high up on the list and would there was a, a proper pathway for getting people into housing they've been taken off the list because of you know every all councils are stretched um but we are seeing more people with offending backgrounds people are reoffending to go back into prison because they need shelter yeah yeah and they've got a routine there and it's you know isn't that awful that that would yeah. be considered easier yeah horrendous Oh my god! Oh, you're ringing out like the social justice warrior. I me, you're gonna make me mad again. <laughs> Not at you, but just yeah, yeah. at the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at society and power and all of those things. And mm-hmm. and it brings me back um, to, for example, working, thinking about Vancouver. Um, I used to uh, do get involved um, as primarily volunteering um, with different homeless initiatives. One of the things that I did was. Um, I designed and led some homeless uh, walking tours. Oh, wow. Talking about urban poverty. And so... Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was quite interesting. Um, So I did it through like Airbnb experiences, if you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what I wanted to do was so that it's not about poverty, um, but 
because what you said earlier during our conversations uh, outside of this recording about isolation really resonated yeah. with me. Um, and in Vancouver specifically, because it's the warmest city in Canada, mm-hmm. basically everybody from Western Canada all migrates because they will basically not survive the winters on the streets. So wow. everybody all comes to this one city. Mm-hmm. No, a lot of people don't belong there, like quote unquote, don't belong there or feel that, from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. feel that they don't belong. Um, they don't have those, not necessarily local connections in the formal way, but as in they don't have a community. Mm-hmm. They don't know the networks because these you know, these rough sleepers and people on the streets um, have that tight network often, don't they? They're, yeah. they're helping each other. They know who's around. Um, Survival, pooling resources, yes. all of these things all of that these you, things. you would do if you, yeah. know, you were in that situation. And they check on each other yeah. and they know each other by name and they, they form friendships and sometimes rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> all of these, you know, interesting and confusing and complex relationship things that you get to develop over time. But if you're new... And you don't fall into that. Mm -hmm. It can very easily be very clicky. Yeah, I've found that at least back in Vancouver, it was very clicky. Sure. uh, Biracial ethnicity, by your background. Oh, interesting. And a lot of Indigenous people will stick with Indigenous Canadians. Right, so those kind of things. okay. Um, I don't know. And perhaps that's not relevant for um, Welsh Welsh context. Yeah, I think it is. I mean... um you know, in terms of rivalry um, <laughs> amongst the community. I think, well, I mean, you know, our client base get a, a bad rap and they suffer mm. some horrendous injustices and, mm. you know, violent attacks as well in, in some cases from, oh from the public. So oh especially gosh. if there's any, you know, drinking involved. Cardiff right. can be quite a big drinking city. So as the capital city, um, we also host like lots of sporting events. So rugby and football and that kind of thing. And you know, you get lots of people from out of town and I've heard some horrendous stories of people being attacked on the streets because, you know, they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. People are terrible sometimes. Yeah. You know, we had, uh, there's a volunteer on site actually this week at the Homeschool Cup and he was carrying um, a big bag of footballs uh, from one place to another. It wasn't even dark, it wasn't particularly late, but he was attacked on his way home uh, by somebody who wanted to take those footballs from him. Um, and he had to have stitches in his head. Um, he had a concussion, but he was back here the next day. And we were like, dude, sit down. Like, yeah, you, know, you, okay. don't, you don't need to be. He's a ball boy, so he's, you know, like, your depth perception might not, <laughs> not be up to it today. Just have a sit down. Um, but for yeah. a bag of footballs. For a bag of footballs. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. People being spat at. You know, we have... We have this really charming lane called Chippy Alley in Cardiff where mm-hmm. um, it's just all the takeaway places. But for most people stumbling out there after they've had a few drinks, you know, they end up throwing their, you know, curry-flavoured chips and all these kind of greasy foods and stuff like that at people who are sitting on the floor. And oh. it's just not not nice um, at all. But that being said, you do see you do see kindness too uh, right. in some places, you know. we Let's go hopeful. Yeah. Yes. Is there a positive angle? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not, not be mad at humanity. <laughs> I think there is a genuine want to do something mm. to help people at this moment of time. Um, last year, like, we collect our, our own figures um, in terms of who we interact with on the streets of Cardiff. So we have a, a rough sleepers intervention team that goes out every single morning. They know most people on the streets by name. They try and interact with them by first the olive branches, uh, a bacon roll and a cup of tea um, or a hobbled egg. Very Welsh. Yeah, absolutely. Very Welsh, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't want a bacon bussy? It's lovely. Um, yeah, that's the first point of contact. And then 
it's housing advice and support and signposting and all those types of things. So we collect figures, we collect data on that. Um, last year was our high point in terms of the figures. Um, we have seen a 30% decrease this, wow, this, the last period, so the last quarter, compared to the quarter the year before, which is awesome. 30% um, decrease of people on the streets? Yeah, right. yeah of people with, that we've interacted with. We're right. not going to interact with everybody mm-hmm. because, you know, how can you, you know, hidden homelessness is a real thing. Um, so it's going to be a conservative estimate, but it's a good idea of general trends. Um, so, yeah, we've seen a 30% decrease in people, but we have been making contact with the same people for longer periods of time and more often. So that suggests um, more entrenched homelessness. Right. So with that in mind, last year being the high point, most people who come into the city say, you know, gosh, it's really increased. There's more begging activity. There's more people, you know, carrying sleeping bags and all that kind of stuff. What can I, what can I do to help? What do I do? People right. are a bit, you know, frustrated with themselves in mm. some cases. Um, about what they think they should do. The most common question we get is, should I give people money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. so that, I would say, it's your own personal choice. Do what you want. But if you're going to give to someone, give to them unconditionally. They can spend their money on whatever they want. You know, you can't place a prejudgment on what that's going to be. You know, if somebody needs four cans of cider to get through their day and that's what they're going to spend their money on, you have to be at peace with that. Yeah. You know? Um, but... Other than that, I would just tell people to be kind, be compassionate, have a conversation with people. Um, there was a report recently uh, by another homelessness charity who said that one in three people uh, who live life on the streets go an entire day without speaking to a single person. And that's really sad. I mean, we spoke earlier about how I, I used to work in a, a specialist alcohol shop. It was very high tickets. Sometimes I'd see one person in a day. And it made me desperately sad because, I mean, I'm quite a sociable person anyway. I've talked your ear off uh, for (laughs) for a lot of this morning. Um, But, um, yeah, social isolation. Yeah. Being in a community but not part of it, that's really tough. So if you see somebody, have a conversation with them. Ask them how their day is, what they've been up to, how's the weather. Boring stuff that we take for granted that people genuinely want. And then if you're going to, you know, if you're not comfortable giving people money, but you want to buy them something, just ask them what they want first. Yeah. You know, because choice is also important. Yeah. You know, somebody might have already bought them three sandwiches today. They don't want another sandwich or they've had five cups of coffee. I don't think they want any more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just ask them what they want. Do they want sugar in their tea? Um, things that make people remember that they are valued and they are a person with real feelings and choices. Yeah, that's something that we can we can do with a very small act of kindness. Yeah, amazing. And I, well, I feel like you might have um, answered this question already, but if you have kind of like a call to action or like a small thing that a listener um, in any country around the world, there's actually um, not that many UK listeners. We get a lot of Canadian, Indonesian, oh, okay. Australian, uh, a, a few Dutch listeners, and a lot of American listeners as well. We got some lovely uh, kids running around in the background, by the way. <laughs> Enjoying uh, the lovely park. Yeah. As it should be. Exactly. This is what we want in a park. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what was I saying? Ah, yes. If there is a small action that a listener could do in their own city, mm-hmm. what would it be? So, uh, we really think that homelessness is everybody's problem. We need a community response to homelessness. Play your part and do what you can. Um, you know, you don't have to go out of your way to make a big gesture. 
it's small micro acts of kindness it's having conversation it's you know employing somebody who's experienced homelessness or somebody who might conventionally be at risk somebody who has a criminal record or a gap in their employment those types of things or has a mental health issue or a disability all these things um you know or could you support a local charity who does it mm. could you volunteer your time if you don't have the financial support to to be able to do that um I'm, we talked earlier about being advocates of volunteering it's it you get a lot out of it as well as giving you know you learn different skills you meet different people you learn different um you learn about different ways of life which is pretty awesome to be honest with you um but yeah I would just say play your part find out what's happening in your community find out what the need is because it's not going to be the same in every city but what is the same in every city is that we all crave human interaction and connectivity um, I was watching a talk the other day actually about addiction and obviously there are some crossovers with um, things to do with like things like addiction and, and mental health and all those things. Not every homeless person has a mental health issue or an addiction, but some might, and mm-hmm. you know, yep. some might have an addiction because they've become homeless or they might become homeless because they have an addiction. You know, there's no one size fits all to these things. Um, yeah, I was watching a TED talk uh, about it and how, you know, we're treating people um wrongly in terms of addiction we need to be connecting people and giving people things of value to do to take their they might give them experiences and a routine that makes them want to give up whatever their habit is and make give them something else to focus their mind on you know that's why we do the arts projects and the um the sports projects and that kind of thing because you know Somebody scored a goal, I think. Hit a big, big cheer. Um, <laughs> yeah, connectivity. Be, bring people into your community, and um, you know, just just play, do your bit, play your part. Amazing. And if you had a kind of like a birthday wish, not necessarily that it's your birthday. Um, if you had a birthday wish, what would you hope to see in the future? Whether for yourself, for the people on the streets, for Wales, for Wallach. That's like four questions wrapped into one. Yeah. Um, but, but basically, what would you want to see in the future if you had one birthday wish? I mean, I think a birthday wish I could go big. But I think in terms of what's achievable, I mean, for me as a communicator, I, I you know, we do printed material. We engage on social media. We also liaise with journalists and things like that in terms of what my profession can do um, and those that we communicate with. I think it's promote compassion and compassionate language don't sensationalize the issues we i understand that you know journalists have targets and clicks that they need to um achieve and human interest is usually the best way to achieve those things but we sensationalize the issues to do with homelessness so much because i get that it's what grabs attention but in the long run it might make that person that you're reporting on feel awful and they do not deserve that you're not helping their confidence or the way that they feel valued by their community um you know we in terms of our language we don't say things like the homeless because that's quite othering it's like a homogenous group that doesn't have much of an identity 
It's we try and bring it back to people as, as much as possible. It's people experiencing homelessness because people aren't defined by a label that's been given them. They shouldn't be anyway. Um, you know, it's an experience that they have and it's not going to be forever. forever hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think as, as communicators, I think we, should, we need to be speaking more compassionately and we need to be acting more compassionately. Um, we talked about volunteering and all those kinds of things, but I think we can do it in the way that we write about people as well in terms of our industry. Um, yeah, it's really frustrating for me as uh, I, one of the big part of, parts of my job is protecting service users when they're doing interviews and things like that. So making sure that they're being treated with respect and you know, making sure that they know that they're in control of their story and their truth. Um, they only give, have to give away as much as they want to. You know, there's absolutely no pressure. Um, and I mean, I've stepped in and stopped interviews where I think, you know, there's been overstepping of boundaries and pushing questions that client clearly doesn't want to answer. Um, so, yeah, I think it's recognising that impact that you can have on somebody's life, lives with words. Um, and because that that's what, you know, influences public consciousness, you know. There's a big divide in, in the UK at the moment in terms of ideology and how we deal with things. And in one camp, there's please treat everyone compassionately and in the other, it's, you know, send these people away. Let's just, why don't you just give them a job? They're all layabouts. They're all lazy. They've brought it on themselves. Let's pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's not something that I agree with. Um, I would say organisationally. I don't think we agree with either. You know, you have to create pathways and create opportunities and give people a foot in the door because that's the way that they're going to break out of cycles of homelessness because otherwise you're just setting people up to fail. Some people need a bit more help than others. And yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Amazing. And we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon. And I think there's... A million things that I think you and I could follow up on. Yeah. I'm really interested in the work that you do in the work that Wallach does and also just kind of just how social justice and um, vulnerable uh, social justice gets kind of acted out in our cities yeah. and how vulnerable people of all different kinds of situations are protected and are eventually able to thrive in every city. Mm. Um, so... I'm very interested in this. I would love to follow up on it. I'm sure there's listeners out there who would as well. Um, and how should they do that? So um, you can follow The Wallach on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, where we provide thriving content every day. <laughs> um, no, we, we've started doing a lot more in-house in terms of like videos and all that kind of stuff Ooh. and client stories. Um, so yeah, our handle is usually The Wallach. I think on Facebook, it's The Wallach Wales and on Instagram, it's Homeless in Wales. Right. You can find us there um, or you can visit our website, which is thewallach.com, which has a little bit about everything that we do all our projects you can even have a little look at a map of wales and if you're not familiar with wales itself find out what we're talking about geographically um and yeah you know we uh try to update it as much as possible great um i am gonna first of all get all of the actual handles from you probably over email and i'm also gonna spell it for you in the show notes because you know wallach is not 
perhaps spelled the way that you think it would be spelled, <laughs> just for especially yeah. for non-Welsh people. It's also like a big property development in Singapore, oh, I think. So, okay. I mean, the irony of that is like luxury apartments. The irony <laughs> of it is hilarious. So we do get confused with that quite often. <laughs> right. Oh, what does Welsh mean? Is it Welsh? I'm assuming it's Welsh. No. So um, our founder uh, in 1978, he was called Anton Wallach Clifford. So we were the Wallach Clifford community for a very long time. And then we changed to just the Wallach. So unfortunately, it's just somebody's name. Some dude's name. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's how it usually is, for better or for worse. Um, And last question, the question I didn't tell you about, which is, knowing the title of our podcast, this is also a Mm -hmm. recurring question Mm -hmm. for every person that I interview, do you think of yourself as a true hero? Um, No. (laughs) Just because, um, I mean, we talked about doing our bit and, you know, playing your part. I don't know. I think um, it's hard, isn't it? Because... The the crisis of confidence happens a lot with a lot of people at different stages of their lives and you need time to reflect on what you have, have actually achieved. For me, you know, it's really hard not to compare ourselves to the frontline staff, the support workers who go out every day and support people. But then, you know, they have told me in many cases they wouldn't want to do my job. So, you know, I, yeah, no, hero. Very strong word. Though that being said, actually, we have started developing um, badges at the moment for our supporters called Wallet Heroes. So, uh, yeah, which is really nice. So, I don't know. I think anybody who does their bit is a hero. And is that is true. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jamie, for coming to our podcast. Thank you for having me, Rosalind. Uh, it's been such a pleasure and um, hope to catch up with you more just in the coming weeks. Yeah, that would be lovely. Amazing. Thank you. Prior to the interview, I was actually worried about recording this outdoors because I don't have the fanciest equipment that would eliminate all the surrounding noises. But it actually turned out that I sort of enjoyed the little interruptions in our conversations and all the kind of environmental sounds. Um, It was everything from birds chirping, from little children playing about, national anthems playing in the background, and cheering from the crowds at a goal for one of these amazing teams who are truly victors over some of the greatest hardships that a person can face. And all of this was almost poetic to have these inserted here. Each of them were such beautiful sounds and I feel very privileged to have attended the 17th Homeless World Cup and even more privileged to be able to capture and archive via audio some of the real beauty of this amazing event and kind of deliver it Uh, through audio to you and of course the real beauty is behind the voices of people who worked hard to ensure that this event was a success like Jamie and of course the cheers for the amateur football or soccer players who are participating in the matches and I would also argue these people are just as much of true heroes and if you are so inspired please check out the organization that Jamie works for at www.thewallach.com uh, Wallach is spelt W-A-L-L-I-C-H W-A-L-L-I-C-H I know it's not very um, it's not very an obvious spelling and their Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn is all at The Wallach Please subscribe to True Heroes wherever you get your podcast 
and share the podcast link on your social media and tell all your friends about it. Word of mouth is the number one way people find out about podcasts. And this podcast is brought to you ad free by yours truly. And one way to support the show is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you can. Each review will boost true heroes of the charts and help new listeners find the show. I am also going to select some of them and read uh, a new one each week uh, at the beginning of the episode, so you might get your review featured on the show as well. And of course, this podcast is a brainchild of OCO, the company whose mission is to generate hope, opportunity, and capacity for everyone in every city. Thanks for lending an ear to true heroes. Talk to you next week.